Maybe. Just maybe that would be an intelligent idea. Uh, you think I don't have intelligent ideas? I never said that. You said that. Yeah, but you agree with it. I'm not disagreeing with it, but I'm not agreeing with it at the same time. <laughs> okay. Nice little banter to start it off. Here we go in three, two, and... Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Smith and Seidel Show. Jacob Seidel, along with Zach Smith, uh, who is on the other side of town, through the computer monitor, through the Discord. And, uh, Zach, how the heck are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanksgiving was good. Got to go spend it with my dad, my grandparents. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Sorry we didn't get an episode out last week, but we, we decided at the last minute to just enjoy ourselves, enjoy the little holiday break away from school uh, before we had exam week here in about a week or so. But uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Hope everybody had a very safe and happy holiday. Yeah, I know I did. I stuffed myself through probably about 15 pounds of mashed potatoes last week. Uh, not stuffing. I'm not a stuffing guy, but I'll eat my fair share of turkey, mashed potatoes, and gravy. Uh, that That's the Lord's food right there. <laughs> and you can't forget the crescent rolls, dude. You can't forget them. We didn't have crescent rolls. We had homemade like butter rolls, and they were fantastic. Interesting. Yeah, biscuits, crescent rolls, something like that. You got to in there a lot of carbs on thanksgiving but a lot happened on thanksgiving um the steelers game getting pushed back a little bit an absolute decimation by alex smith and the washington football team all of that we'll get to later on but you know the thing that you got to appreciate during thanksgiving is the history that this nation has and you know our families have and everything like that so let's take a look at some sports history yeah, and I got, we have three of them for you today, Zach. And the first one is in 1985 uh, when NFL quarterbacking legends Dan Marino and John Elway met for the first time. And uh, the Dan Marino Dolphins would win that one 30 to 26. And uh, Marino went for 390 and three touchdowns. Yeah, two Hall of Famers meeting for the first time. You you always got to circle those days on your calendar uh, when future Hall of Famers meet. We have one of those this past week with the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, two definite Hall of Famers going at it, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. I, I Okay, I'll agree with Tom Brady. It's too early to call Hall of Fame for Pat, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he's a superstar, right. but it's too early to call that. So then we'll go to some more recent ones that these are just from this last week. And the first one happened on Sunday where coach Callie Brownson became the first NFL or first woman in NFL history to coach a position group uh, for the Cleveland Browns. She was temporarily filling in for the tight end coach who was on uh, paternity leave. And then another woman doing amazing things. Sarah Fuller for the Vanderbilt Commodores became the first woman to play in a Power 5 conference game uh, with a kickoff. She's set to kick again this week against Georgia. She joins Kate Ninda at New Mexico State, who was the first woman to score a point in an NCAA football game. And April Gross, a kicker from Kent State, as the only woman to play in FBS football. And what... It, what 
First off, first off, I'm going to get on my soapbox for all you misogynist soapbox for all the misogynist people out there telling her she can't kick and she kicks like a girl. I'd like to go see you try you try and kick a field goal. You try to kick off. That was a designed play. And I know I know all of you when your beer guts cannot get out there and do the same thing she can do. So why don't you just sit down and shut up? Okay, I'm on a different soapbox. Um, I, I am not going to directly attack people. Um, but first and foremost, great moment in sports history that we got to watch. Um, the, the, just, it it was awesome. Uh, and I saw a lot of really hateful and hurtful things on Twitter, mainly just, you know, hoping that Sarah Fuller were to get like rocked or tackled or something like that in the game. And that, that, that's not cool. That's not cool by any means. Uh, first of all, wishing harm upon somebody like, yeah, it's football and you want people to get tackled, but that that's a little, little wrong. Um, and at the same time, just take a moment and appreciate the history that we have been able to witness as human beings this past weekend. Like that was awesome. And there's a lot of people that argue, Oh, women shouldn't have a place in football. Women shouldn't have a place in sports, but, but sports are a universal thing. And I will, we will respect your opinions, but at least for me, and I'm sure I could speak for, for Jacob, we'll disagree with it. Sports are universal. Sports are for everyone. And, you know, I, I got to take my hat off and, you know, hats off to Sarah Fuller, joining a lot of people who have been just milestone people in sports history. Um, you know, just, just to compare it a little bit, Jackie Robinson was scorned when he first came into Major League Baseball, but now look at Major League Baseball. There are more African-Americans, Latino players than ever. But, you know, they, you got to start somewhere. So, you know, a lot of credit to Sarah Fuller. I'm so sorry for all the, the hurtful things that people had said, but keep your chin up because you're going to be a figure for a, quite a long time. So, Uh, Congratulations to her and the Vanderbilt for breaking that barrier and uh, welcome to college football. And you see, this is where Zach and I kind of differ. Sometimes he can stay calm and level headed. Oh, I just, I go through the throat. (laughs) Hey man, I'm I'm not looking to make enemies. I'm only sitting here telling people that you got, you got to have more of an open mind. You got to have a little bit more of an open mind, but congratulations to both Callie Brownson and Sarah Fuller. And, uh, Coach Callie is hilarious. Uh, if you'll see some videos of her like interacting with Baker Mayfield on the sidelines, great. It's just like it's like a family. But and then Sarah Fuller, she's she's the goalkeeper on the soccer team at Vanderbilt as well. Then she's getting an opportunity to do something a lot of people wouldn't. So congratulations to both of you and good luck in the future. For sure. Now we go to uh, some really great things in sports to a little bit of a bad thing in sports along to the coach carousel in the NFL. Uh, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, the Detroit coach and Detroit GM, respectively, were fired this weekend. Fired after a loss on Thanksgiving to Houston. And then Dave Caldwell, the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, was let go after another loss, this time to the Browns. Um, So he will join a couple of people looking for a job. That is now three GMs who have been fired this year. Just to recap it, Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons and Thomas Dimitrov 
The Atlanta GM was let go already. Bill O'Brien, who was the head coach and GM for the Houston Texans, was already fired. And now Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, and Dave Caldwell all out of here. So we go into uh, the hot seats. Um, a couple of coaches, you know, they've got a nice cozy leather seat. They can just sit back, relax, enjoy their time coaching. Uh, there are a couple of coaches who are just breaking in the leather chair, some new coaches, but there are some coaches who just can't sit down. Those heated seats are just a little too warm. So in front of myself and my good friend, Jacob Seidel, we have a list of coaches who he and I consider on the hot seat. Um, a couple of these uh, coaches include Vic Fangio of the Denver Broncos, Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles, Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears, and so on and so on. So, my good friend, I want you to take two coaches from this list. I want you to name, obviously, where they coach and whether or not they will be fired. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to take the easy one from you, Zach. Adam Gase, New York Jets. He's going to get his pink slip. He's going to file for unemployment because he is not going to be the head coach of the New York Jets next year because the New York Jets are going 0-16. And as a fan of a team who has gone 0-16, you can't keep the coach. Do you know how I know that? Because my team tried to do it. You can't keep a coach that goes 0-16. If you are such a bad coach that you cannot coach your players to win one game in the NFL, you don't deserve to coach in the NFL. And I'm sorry, it is harder to go 0-16 than to go 1-15. Do you know how many bad breaks you have to have to not win a single game? These are all professional football players. These are all players that are supposedly good enough to be paid Anywhere from a few hundred thousand dollars to $20 million a year. How do you not win one game? Just one. Allow me to play devil's advocate here for a moment. Is this necessarily Adam Gase's fault or is this on the players and personnel he's got around him? You and I are on the same level. I'm just playing devil's advocate here for a second. It's it's an all around job. Everyone in that building is going to get fired. They're going to have to start from the ground up. They might as well just draft and they might as well just end the Jets, bring them back as an expansion team and try to do something better in an expansion draft because this roster is abysmal. The front office is, save for the Texans because they didn't have a GM, the worst in football. This is everyone's fault, but of course, this is New York. The market where it's always the coach's fault, even if it's not the coach's fault. But either way, he's going to be gone. Uh, my second one. It's Mike McCarthy. Now, Sorry. Are you going to say he gets fired or you say he's going to stay? He's on our list of hot seat coaches, but you can you can turn and say he's going to stay or he's going to go. Oh, well, I'm not you don't have to. I'm okay. I'm going to do Mike McCarthy anyway. Okay. Holy cow! The Cowboys are a disappointment. We were saying, oh well, for a while we've been giving him the excuse, oh he doesn't have Dak Prescott, but he still has Ezekiel Elliott. He still has other playmakers, even and he has Andy Dalton back, who can play quarterback, uh, at least at a somewhat competent level. The only issue is. 
His offense is it's the same offense he was running in Green Bay. He hasn't changed. He got fired, took a year off, said he was in the film room, said everyone was saying, oh, he's going to figure it out. And now he's just back to his old ways that weren't working. And when you have a quarterback like Dak Prescott, a running back like Ezekiel Elliott, if if I'm um, Jerry, if I'm Jerry, uh, why did I forget his uh, Jerry, Jerry Jones. Jones? Yeah, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm going to be like, no, uh, this was a bad idea. I'm going to eat the money and I'm going to bring in Lincoln Riley. So my, my approach with, with this, and I'm going to kind of rebuttal you. I don't think McCarthy's losing his job. Um, he is not one of the two I'm going to go on of this list, but I'm, I'm just going to explain my point here. This is kind of on everybody. This this is kind of unlike the, ju- the Jets where you can kind of point at a couple of people. This one's on everybody. Losing Dak Prescott hurt. It hurt a lot. Um, you know, you're, you're losing a guy who deserves to get paid. You're looking at a guy who is never missed a start going into this season. He's played really well and he was starting to mesh with his receivers. He and Amari Cooper were one of the best one, two punches in the league. Michael Gallup has started making a name for himself. Um, you, you gain a guy like CD lamb, who's supposed to be really good, but the, the guy that I can really point at for the Dallas Cowboys is Ezekiel Elliott. He leads the league in fumbles. Let me, he leads the league in fumbles. This is a guy who is a rushing champion in the NFL multiple years. Was with an Ohio State team that did not turn the ball over much. Was taken four overall by the Dallas Cowboys. And this is by far the worst year of his career. And I, I can save him a little bit because if you look back to what happened with Dak when Zeke wasn't there, Suddenly, everybody was keying in on Dak and the pass, and the pass numbers hurt. But now that you don't have Dak, you know Dallas is going to try to establish themselves running the football, and they cannot do it. So I don't think Mike McCarthy loses his job for that reason. Um, As as I said, the Dak Prescott injury is going to save his job this year. But, you know, that, that defense is just, for lack of better terms, sucked this year. And the, the offense is trying to find an identity without their quarterback. And that's, that's very tough to do. So I give him a little bit of a pass, but you know, I, I don't think Mike McCarthy gets fired. So my two coaches, the, the first one that I would like to point at here is Doug Marone in Jacksonville. He is the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now Dave Caldwell got fired. And this this kind of reminds me of Tom Coughlin getting moved and a couple of other GMs getting moved. The, the, the nice thing with this is that ownership is going to be able to start looking around at GMs right now. And the GM is going to sit there for a couple of weeks left on the year, look at what players they have, what personnel they have and who they want to keep. Now, Doug Marone has not done well in Jacksonville since Saxonville was a thing, where Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, all these different pieces were there. But they're gone. Everybody's gone. And Jacksonville is not good. I don't think Doug Marone is the coach of the future. That um, you're, you're looking at a team that's trying to reestablish themselves on offense. They've got a couple of nice pieces. James Robinson has been a pleasant surprise. The undrafted rookie 
DJ Shark, Keelan Cole are both really good. Chris Conley's pretty good. Uh, your offensive line, you're starting to rebuild. Uh, Jawan Taylor, the new right tackle who you drafted out of Florida is there. You got a couple of pieces on defense. That's a nice thing. That's a thing that this the Jags have that the Jets don't, is they have pieces there. So, in that regard, I, I give Doug Marone a little bit of a pass, but you are a team that is 1-10 right now. The only thing keeping you from being out of playoff contention at all is that loss that you had opening up the year against Philadelphia, who has shown that they are not worth anything this year. So I'm sitting here saying that my coach that is getting fired and joining the the three that have already been fired is Doug Marone. I I would agree with that. But my, my thing is it's just going to be because you can't have it, it's really hard to have a coach that was there before your new GM if the GM was fired because the coach is going to try to push around the GM. It, it happens all the time. Like, the coach is going to be like, you didn't hire me. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. And it, it's just going to make the front office even more dysfunctional. So I, that's why I agree with you that Doug Marone is going to be gone. And then my second coach that I would really I'd, I'd like to talk about for a minute is Matt Nagy. Now, Matt Nagy is on a serious losing streak right now. And, and I, I'm, I'm saying serious. It is it is not good for a team that started off five and oh, they've gone down the tank. And. Yes, you can poke some things at COVID and an injury and at quarterback. But, you know, at the end of the day, this comes down to Matt Nagy, who hasn't been as successful as a coach since his first year as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Um, I've got a lot of good friends of mine who are Chicago Bears fans, and they poke a lot of it at quarterback. And the fact that this staff with Matt Nagy went and moved up to get Mitchell Trubisky. And I mean, Trubisky's not terrible, but he is by no means a starting caliber quarterback. He's he's more like if I had to give you a comparison, I'd compare him to Mike Glennon. <laughs> Mike Glennon, who is a journeyman quarterback who can come in, play games. He'll he'll come in. He'll give you a quality start. But I don't think Trubisky is a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. Um. And I think that that's going to save Matt Nagy. Now, at the same time, you went and you traded to get Nick Foles and ate up a lot of salary for him. You ate up a lot for Matt, for Nick Foles. Um, th- this offense in general is hurt and has no weapons. That That's the biggest thing I could say about this, this team. You look at a, a tale of two coins. The defense is great. This defense is one of the most elite defenses in the NFL. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks. You know, you you just look up and down and it's star-studded. The offense, you can't say the same. The offensive line is not all that good. Your main running back is Tariq Cohen. And I mean, David Montgomery is pretty solid, but you're looking at it. Allen Robinson is the only receiver that you have on this team. You can argue Cordero Patterson, but no. All you have is Allen Robinson. This offense needs a wipe. I'm not saying Matt Nagy's getting fired. I don't think he gets fired after this year, but I think that his seat is warm. I, th- I think that he's got a warm seat. Uh, warm, um, warm, I think, might be an understatement. I think someone might be trying to start uh, Grail with Kingsford Charcoal right underneath him. In, in my opinion, 
if Chicago doesn't finish second in the North this year, Matt Nagy's seat is going to be very warm. He won't get fired, but his seat will get very warm. If he finishes second, he'll be okay. But next season is going to be the decider. The team is going to look at a quarterback this offseason, whether it be in free agency or in the draft. And then you're going to sit there and reevaluate the rest of the offense. Maybe Matt Nagy is the is the coach of the future, but I don't know. I'd say his seat is very warm, though. A couple other coaches on our list, Vic Fangio and Denver. But I think I think you and I both can agree that the quarterback issue is what has hurt him and the injury to Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Anthony I, I, Ward- I would agree with that. I'd say the same around the same with that with um, Ron Rivera in Washington. He hasn't really had consistent quarterback play with any of the guys he's had uh, until Alex Smith. He's starting to play a little bit more consistent right now. So I would say those are two of the probably safest coaches on this list. I'd say the other coach that is very safe on this list is John Gruden, who is the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, look, that team is going to get scrutinized all you all at once. But last year it was in playoff contention. And this year it is in playoff contention. The Raiders are on the up right now. And that's why Gruden and Mike Mayock are both safe in Vegas. Uh, They're going to keep building, keep reestablishing, make sure Derek Carr is the guy you want. Um, But this team is young and this team has great pieces. So going from like coldest to hottest, I'd say that the coldest seats on our list would be uh, Vic Fangio, John Gruden, Ron Rivera. I'd put Joe Judge on the list of colder seats. And if I had to put one more, I'd probably say Anthony Lynn with the Chargers. I'd agree with that. Um, Either Lynn or Mike Zimmer with the Vikings. The Vikings, they're not good, but they've shown spurts this year. And then the coaches who I feel would be really, really hot, other than the ones that we've mentioned, Doug Peterson with the Eagles. You have to look at Peterson. You have to. Um, So Peterson is one of them. I would also put a little bit of an argument to look at Mike Zimmer. Ever since the miracle in Minneapolis, just has not been all that effective of a coach. So just to uh, recap our list, Doug Marone, Adam Gase, Mike McCarthy and Matt Nagy are the four coaches that we really looked into, but the rest of the list, Vic Fangio, Anthony Lynn out of the Chargers, John Gruden in Vegas, uh, Coach Peterson with the Eagles, Joe Judge with the Giants, Ron Rivera with Washington, and Mike Zimmer with the Vikings. So maybe longer than interim or interim head coaches, uh, two coaches were fired going into the week. Matt Patricia was just fired, so we're waiting on him. Uh, Romeo Cronell took over the head coaching job in Houston and Raheem Morris in Atlanta. Um, they've actually looked pretty good to start the season. Yeah. And I was younger when Romeo Cronell was coaching with the Browns, but he was, from what I remember, he was not the worst coach the Browns ever had. And he's done a pretty good job four and four and three. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I, I just got confused with one, which one we were looking at, Zach. Four and three since he took over. He's been in close games with the Browns. Uh, almost beat Tennessee. He almost should have beat Tennessee the way the Titans played in that game. And then he just crushed the Lions, and he beat or they beat the Patriots. So I don't know if you want to go with Cornell. He's a bit on the older side. 
I'd say either way, you have to keep him on in this staff in some way. He's doing something to get his players to work. Yeah, and the other guy that we really looked at was Raheem Morris, who took over in Atlanta for Dan Quinn. And everybody's aware of the collapse of the Atlanta Falcons. 28-3 in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and it's it's been downhill ever since. Uh, Raheem Morris finally got the job over Dan Quinn. And I'd say Raheem Morris has a better shot of remaining the head coach in Atlanta over Romeo Crennel. Uh, this team has really rallied around Raheem Morris. Ever since he took over, he is 4-2. and two. The Falcons team is four and seven. And Raheem Morris is responsible for four of those wins. Their best one was this past week, the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, where they demolished the Raiders 43 to six. They made Derek Carr look like a grade school quarterback. Yeah, and too bad they don't play the NFC East or they'd be in the playoff hunt. <laughs> but, it, but if I had to give you one of those two coaches to remain, a starting head coach, I'd give you Raheem Morris personally. I would agree with that. He's a younger guy. He's his offense has really taken off uh, under his leadership and really Dan Quinn. I think that overtime loss in the Super Bowl to the Patriots is what sealed it for him. Even though a few years ago, he's had good teams. It just hasn't been the same, but they just look good. The Falcons, oh, they don't look bad, but they don't look good. They look like a football team, which is something they didn't look like in the first few weeks of the season. So now we're going to play a game. Maybe insert a little, would you like to play a game? So Another we're going to play. A- that was the wrong oh. one. <laughs> wrong one. Yeah, baby, yeah. There we go. Man, you'd think we'd have these labeled at this point. We're going to play a game of Would You Rather. So, my good friend, would you rather build a franchise around Deshaun Watson or Kyler Murray? Oh, boy. You're really giving me the fastball right off the bat here. I would go with Deshaun Watson. I think he has proven that he is a top quarterback in the league. And I think with a competent GM and a competent coach, he is going to be a pro bowler and maybe have a chance to finally win a Super Bowl. I'm going to disagree with you. And I'd go with Kyler Murray. And and let me put this into perspective with you. Kyler Murray's rookie year was not bad by any means last year with the the couple of weapons he had. He had Larry Fitzgerald. You bring in um, your running back, Kenyon Drake. You've got Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. You've got a small little cast of characters, and they weren't bad in the NFC West last year. In year two, Kyler Murray has taken off. You've started building this team around him. You go and trade for DeAndre Hopkins, and suddenly this team is in contention for the NFC West and for playoffs, regardless of the NFC West. They're 6-5. and And I mean, great quarterbacks find a way to win. And I meant to say this earlier, great quarterbacks cover up bad coaching. And when, when that all starts to fall apart around them, and the quarterback can't do much anymore. That's when the coach gets exposed. And that's what happened this year. Deshaun Watson has not had the best of years. And he's still putting up great numbers. He's among the league passing leaders. And he's he's playing with a cast of characters 
where Will Fuller is out for the rest of the year due to PED violations, you don't have a lot of skill. Kenny Stills is gone. David Johnson is hurt. And Deshaun Watson is pulling this team along. If, if I'm looking at it, I have to put Kyler Murray as the quarterback I I want to build a team around. He's mobile. He's elusive. He has a good deep ball. There's a reason why he was taken to go and play in the MLB. But he chose NFL. And the NFL, I think, is exactly where Kyler Murray should be. Okay. Better running back. Would you rather have Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry? That's really tough because the fact that they both have very different running styles. Derrick Henry is the downhill, put your nose down and, and, and push through. Now I'm not saying Nick Chubb isn't, but Nick Chubb has more of the pass catching ability that Derrick Henry doesn't. Uh, Derrick Henry was always more effective in college as a runner. And now he's dominating the NFL the same way. Now, Nick Chubb, I probably would pick here. And the reason being is just how much of a difference this guy makes on the field than Derrick Henry does. And to explain myself, Nick Chubb, without him, the Cleveland Browns were not able to score a rushing touchdown. Nick Chubb has such a great, great ability to find the hole and go. He is the mixture between Le'Veon Bell and Derrick Henry. I would actually make that comparison. A guy who can stutter, stop, find the open hole and go. And the same that you can put your head down and bully people. Derrick Henry is, is a masterful power back. But if, if I want the better all-around running back, I would have to take Nick Chubb. I'm going to put in a hot take right here because I'd also take Nick Chubb. But I'm just going to say if he keeps doing what he's been doing and the Browns keep winning because of his help, he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. When you look at what he has, this team does without him and what this team does with him. I would agree with that. I'd put, I'd put him into the MVP conversation. It's the same thing that we had with the conversation about Ben Roethlisberger being put into the MVP conversation. One of the things that you have to put into there is how effective you are and how your team plays with you. Obviously, an undefeated Ben Roethlisberger would be pushed into the top three, four votes. But for sure, if you're looking at impact players and the stats and everything that they put up, Nick Chubb would have to be in that situation. So let me put you in a scenario here. Two minutes left in the game. You're down by four points. A field goal is not going to win you this game. You need to go down the field and win this game. Would you have Alex Smith at the helm or would you rather have Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers at this point in the season, because he's proven that he still can play. Alex Smith is getting there. He's been very consistent, but you see what Philip Rivers has done this season. Yeah, his interceptions are up, but he's got the Colts who were really one of the laughing stocks of the NFL last year in a position to make the playoffs. In a position where they could, depending if a few things go their way, they could win their division. So I would have to go with Philip, uh, go with Philip Rivers. Yeah, the AFC South last year was kind of weird. And I mean, the, the biggest reason why the Colts weren't as successful last year is because Andrew Luck just up and retired. 
he said, well, I won the comeback player of the year, but you know, this is, this game is taking a toll on me. And I, I agree completely with him. The injuries were just destroying his body. And I understand why he left. He walked away. Jacoby Brissett was not ready yet. And now you got Philip Rivers in there and what he's done. And what I criticized him for is Philip Rivers left the offensive weapons he did in LA to get the offensive line that he has with the Colts. The Colts offensive line may be the best in football. And yeah, his, his numbers are up, but he doesn't have the weapons he did. He doesn't have your Keenan Allens, your Mike Williams, your Hunter Henry's. He's got a guy by the name of T.Y. Hilton. You got Paris Campbell and uh, Zach Paschal. You, you look at Philip Rivers in general, and I think he is the, the more consistent quarterback. That's the thing that he and Alex Smith both have. It's the consistency. Um, I would probably take Alex Smith in this scenario. Two minutes, I need to get down the field, and I need to score a touchdown. I want a guy who's not going to make a, a silly mistake and turn the ball over. I want a guy who's going to be aggressive and conservative at the same time. I would take Alex Smith. Okay. Zach? Would you rather have John Harbaugh or Matt Patricia if you were hiring a new head coach? And real quick, real quick, I just need to, I just need to make sure you meant John Harbaugh, coach of the Baltimore Ravens, right? Or did you mean Jim Harbaugh, coach of the Michigan Wolverines? <laughs> Mom. <laughs> okay. So you're hiring a new head coach. Do you want Jim Harbaugh or Matt Patricia? I would definitely take Jim Harbaugh. Okay. And I mean, I would rather have John too, (laughs) but Jim for sure. Yeah. Laugh it up. Fuzzball. Uh, I would definitely take Jim Harbaugh here. And the reason being is that Jim Harbaugh has coached his way to a Super Bowl in the NFL. He did that with the San Francisco 49ers when he played his brother, John in the Superdome. And the power went out because they didn't allow Iron Man to have its full commercial runtime. I'm fully convinced. Um, no, Jim Jim Harbaugh is not that bad of a coach, but <laughs> you know, if you look at his college record versus his NFL record, it's not all that good. I would much rather have a guy who has been there, has Super Bowl experience, has that championship pedigree, can go in and put this team together right. Matt Patricia was given a couple of years. He Yes, he's won Super Bowls with Bill Belichick, but the defense was never perfect with Patricia. I would much rather have Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, you hit all my points. I just want to say, Zach, the one time we don't check with each other before we do this. Okay. COVID in the NFL. Ay, caramba. These Steelers getting screwed again. <laughs> it's not what it says on the paper, but that's what we're saying out loud. Nope. Family friendly. Family, Family friendly. friendly. This is a PG-13 ca- uh, podcast. That would mean that we're allowed one naughty word a show if we're PG-13. The Steelers uh, getting kind of hurt again uh they were supposed to play thursday night prime time nfl football steelers ravens who wouldn't want to see it the ratings on it were supposed to be so good nbc was like trying to push as much as it could 
And then the Ravens had a COVID outbreak. And they didn't just have a COVID outbreak. They had another one. And another one. And another one. And another one. The, the, the Ravens, over the course of the past couple of days, have had almost 20 people on their COVID-19 list. 20. Almost. I think the final, like, the closest number is, like, 19. The, the Ravens, it started with J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram and a coach. I want to say it was their strength coach. And the, the report was is that the, uh, the, the strength coach walked around without a mask on and suddenly it spread. And it, it's hit everywhere from Calais Campbell on the defense to uh, reigning MVP Lamar Jackson on offense. The, the team just went crazy and had it. And the game got pushed from Thursday to Sunday. After the team had since Monday to start preparing. The game got pushed by the NFL due to health concerns to Sunday. It got pushed from Sunday to Tuesday. From Tuesday to Wednesday, the game is supposed to play on December 2nd at around 3.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NBC. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. But here's the, the portion of it that has made so many fans angry, myself and Jacob included. The inconsistency of the NFL when it comes to, hey, this game is going to happen, and hey, we're not going to let you play. The ruling of it after the Tennessee game that got pushed for the Steelers was that as long as players can field a healthy roster, you will play. It has nothing to do with who is and who is not on the field. Patrick Mahomes could get COVID and not be on the field, and the Chiefs would have to play that game. That's how it's written. But... Based on everything with the Ravens, the Ravens are the only team benefiting from this. And the other rule written in there is that this or the team should have to lose out the game or forfeit the game in the event that they cannot play it. The Ravens should have to forfeit this game. Let me say it louder for the people in the back. The Ravens should have to forfeit this game. There, if if this is true, if this report that their coach was walking around without a mask and that's how it spread, that's not only going against NFL guidelines, I guarantee that's going against local guidelines as well. This is a pandemic, people. And yeah, if people are going to get sick, don't play the football game, but don't penalize the Steelers. Now, they are going to have to play a game on Monday. They moved it to Monday, right? It went from Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday. And then the next game. Oh, the um, the game was uh, the next game for the Ravens was supposed to be Dallas at Baltimore on Thursday night football. That game got pushed to Tuesday. But th this is ridiculous. This is just going to screw up scheduling through the rest of the year. Either put it week 18 or make the Ravens forfeit, especially because I'll get back on my soapbox when we talk about the Broncos. This is ridiculous. Like the just NFL's inconsistency is aggravating beyond belief. Just a quick note, uh, this was put in, this is verbatim for the NFL's forfeit and COVID-19 rule after the game, um, the Steelers versus the Titans was moved. 
On October 5th, the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, sent a memo to teams warning them that teams could be forced to lose draft choices or forfeit games if COVID-19 protocols weren't followed. This is the memo. Protocol violations that result in the virus spread requiring adjustments to the schedule or otherwise impacting other teams will result in additional financial and competitive discipline, including the adjustment or loss of draft choices or even the forfeit of a game. This game has gotten pushed and pushed and pushed. And let me just clarify here. Jacob and I are not riding on the Ravens or anybody because they caught COVID-19. We are not on that at all. Nobody is going to get punished because they have COVID-19. That is how the, the, the NFL, the world is looking at it right now. If one of the two of us were to get COVID-19, we wouldn't be blasting the other because we have it. The Can you tell that's my are, former employer? <laughs> the, the reason why we are kind of irritated about it is due to the fact that, one, somebody completely disregarded the COVID-19 protocols. Completely disregarded them. Back in February, March, that's something that we could understand. We thought it was just a flu or something like that. But it's November, now December. You cannot do that. And I'm sitting here saying that if the Ravens cannot play Wednesday, the game must be forfeited. The league does not want to go to week 18 unless they have to. Because again, the team that gets hurt in that situation is Pittsburgh. Every other team in the is going to be able to sit there and have week 18 off. And you're looking at the, the Pittsburgh Steelers who are competing for the number one seed in the AFC to have that week off. You know that you're, you're, you're killing the Steelers here. You're killing them. And the, the only thing that would, what could happen if this game does get moved to 18, if the Steelers have the number one pick locked up, do they forfeit that game and just say, no, we're not playing it. We need the week off for the playoffs. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of situations and it's, it's the lack of consistency. And again, it should be, you know, as long as you can feel the field, the clean roster, go for it. And I mean, I understand that you're looking for player safety and I'm, I'm very grateful for it, but at the same time, you have to have some sort of safe net here. And the Ravens should have to like forfeit a draft pick or get fines or something to that extent. Um, that, the coach that didn't wear the mask should be suspended, in my opinion. The, the if the game cannot get played Wednesday, it should be a forfeit for the Ravens, which, by the way, would really, really hurt them as it would prevent them from contending for the AFC North. But Baltimore's fighting to stay in the playoff hunt. After two straight losses, they're hurting. You lost to Tennessee, you lost to the Patriots, and now you're looking at a, an undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers team. And by the way, the, the Ravens will be starting RG3, but J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram come off the COVID list for the game on December 2nd. The only team that has benefited from this so far, just the inconsistency of the NFL, is Baltimore. And, and I'm... I, I'm not looking to get you know political or to freak out or anything like that, but just the inconsistency of how COVID-19 has been handled in the NFL is kind of nuts. The Niners had to play the Packers with a practice squad team, and yeah, some of it was injuries, but a lot of it was COVID, and they still made them play. Denver, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, did not have a quarterback 
one of them had uh, COVID-19, the other were deemed high risk and were unable to play. There, there is a lot of just inconsistency. And if you're going to postpone the game from Thursday, which is okay, it is okay to move the game. If you're afraid of COVID-19 concerns, push it, set the date and set the date once you don't go from Thursday to Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday, turn and say, okay, the game is not on Thursday. We are moving it to Tuesday. If you cannot play that game Tuesday, then you have to forfeit the game. That's probably how I would have approached it. Yeah, but in all honesty, in a, when has the front offices of the NFL ever logically thought of something? Well, here's here's the nice thing, and then we can move on. If the game does not get played Wednesday, technically speaking, the start of the new week starts on Tuesdays after the Monday night game and then Thursday would start it because the game got pushed. You can't push it back much more again. Week 18 doesn't seem feasible because what other teams would you push into week 18? Are you going to turn and say, everybody's going to get a buy mid season. Look at the Buccaneers who are on their buy right now. Are you going to turn and say, yeah, this is the bye week for everybody. So you're not the only team that benefits. You can't do that. You cannot do that. No, it's, nothing is going to work. They, the NFL really dug themselves a hole in this one. And then it got even worse when uh, all of Denver's rostered quarterbacks, all ineligible to play because of COVID. So who do they have to start? Kendall Hamilton, a wide receiver off the practice squad. So just just to clarify again, only one quarterback tested positively for COVID-19. The rest of them, Blake Bortles, Drew Locke and uh, Brett Ripien were walking around the facility or walking around somewhere without their mask on correctly. And they were deemed high risk. This happened Saturday. The game was on Sunday between the Broncos and the Saints. And for 24 hours, Kendall Hilton a wide receiver was told, Hey, you're playing quarterback against the saints on Sunday. Good luck. And I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the guy. You got to give a lot of credit to him. Yeah. You could say he only completed one pass, but but he completed one pass. He's a wide receiver. He hasn't played quarterback since high school. And to put this into perspective, the Denver Broncos scored the same number of points against the Saints with a wide receiver playing quarterback than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did with all the weapons they have against the Saints with Tom Brady at quarterback. So you got to give something here. Yeah, I'll give something to him. My my issue with it is, though, we already have one game being pushed back because a number of players have COVID on the Ravens. And I know it says, if you can field a team, you have to play. I'm sorry, but I think a quarterback that is actually a quarterback is necessary to field a team in the NFL. You're not just going to, it's not like when you're a janitor at the stadium and Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, you can throw him out there and Aaron Rodgers will make the janitor look like an all-star. No, you need a quarterback in the NFL. This is 
this is a royal screw up by the NFL. This should have been okay. We'll let you have. We'll let you pull a guy from free agency for one game. We'll let you play your quarterbacks coach like they wanted to, and they were said no, no. They said okay, you got to find somebody, or else you like you're going to forfeit the game if you don't play it. This is an NFL screw up. This was a game where the NFL read the rules and said, this is how we have to play it. This is not a judgment game or anything like that. So as in, as in terms of following the rules, the NFL did the right thing. Turned and said, look, your quarterback screwed up. Um, we have to deem them high risk because we don't want a, a COVID outbreak here in Denver. To that extent, they followed the rules. And that's... As, as an NFL fan, that's kind of how you have to sit here and say it. Okay, the NFL followed the rules. However, you know, there is it, this, it, it's a curious place to be in. And that's why you see a lot of teams right now not have all their quarterbacks together at one time. Like, kind of look at it like a president and vice president. The president and vice president are hardly ever together. They are most of the time separated. Your practice squad quarterback, you send and you meet either virtually or you send to the other end of the facility. You you gotta do something. So first and foremost, that's that's kind of a screw up on Denver's portion to have this scenario come up. But you know, the the NFL followed the rule to the letter here, but it's it's a consistency issue for me. Yeah, that, that's really my biggest issue with it. I mean, you're allowed. <laughs> I'll stop that now, Zach. Sorry, yeah. I was trying to get Zach to laugh during his little monologue. Uh, but yeah, it's consistency. And it really, what really just, it made me upset because it really seems like they're saying, oh, Lamar Jackson can't play. So the Ravens get to get rescheduled. Oh, there are no quarterbacks available in Denver. That's your problem, not ours. It's what it kind of looked like to the average NFL fan. The ratings and the money speak all the difference. Miles Garrett comes off the COVID list after missing two games. Uh, so the Browns defense that has been missing him is going to get him back. And then the San Francisco 49ers were told, hey, you can't play in San Fran the rest of the year because COVID cases are going up. Technically Santa Clara. Yeah, but they're told, hey, you can't play. So um, the 49ers give a phone call to their friends in the NFC West and say, hey, Arizona, can uh, can we borrow your stadium for the two home games we got left? And uh, they're like, yeah, sure. Okay, why not? Just uh, so make sure you write all the right. Make sure you write your name on any food you want to keep in the fridge, which is what they actually put that on a tweet. Don't touch my drum set. Yeah, don't touch my drum set. So the San Francisco 49ers will be the Arizona 49ers for the remainder of the year. Just kidding. That's actually not the name, but that's the joke. No Thursday night football this week because the Ravens got pushed back because they can't keep COVID under control. And then the Washington football team will play the Steelers on Monday. These bo- these games should both be rescheduled to Tuesday. This should be a doubleheader on Tuesday. Like you I can't agree. say, oh, the Ravens, you get an extra day. But the Steelers, you have to go out and play on a normal, t- like a different timetable. Mm-hmm. And I've said this. I mean, yes, they're NFC North teams or a- NFC East teams. Excuse me. But if you look back to the Jaguars preparation, Mike Tomlin goes and says, 
This isn't a Big Ten team playing a MAC team. No, this is a professional football team, and we're going to be ready for them. But you're going to give the Dallas Cowboys and Baltimore Ravens. The, the Dallas Cowboys have over a week to prepare for them. The Dallas Cowboys played on Thursday. The Cowboys get essentially a bye week out of this. Basically. So the Cowboys at Ravens will be played Tuesday, December 8th in Baltimore. And the Washington football team at Pittsburgh will be pushed to Monday. A couple of playoff notes. It's playoff time almost. Uh, the Jets last week officially eliminated from playoff contention. Well, would it, would, it be a, would it be too soon to say the Jets are declaring an emergency? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars still mathematically are in contention, but the Jets are the only team mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. There are two teams, though, in the AFC who have some potential to win a playoff spot here soon. So we'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs clinch at least the seventh seed if the Steelers beat the Ravens tomorrow, as we're recording this, December 2nd, and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs beat the Denver Broncos on Sunday night. That's how they would clinch the seventh seed and make sure they have at least a playoff spot. And they but, would win the West... With a Raiders loss at the New York Jets, which is, that's a little bit of a pipe dream right there. The Chiefs would also have to beat Denver. So a win is pretty much golden for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the other team who has an opportunity to clinch a playoff spot here very, very soon is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, first and foremost, the Steelers would prevent the Ravens from contending for the AFC North crown with a win on Wednesday. So the Browns are still in contention for the North. I'm, I'm putting that out there. Um, the Browns and Steelers scheduled to play week 17. The magic number for that is the Steelers would have to win four games or the Browns would have to win four games to go ahead and clinch that. So, Come around week 13, that number is going to be really, really important. Also, with a Steelers win over the Baltimore Ravens on December 2nd, they would all but clinch a spot in the playoffs this coming, well, winter is what I will say. Steelers technically would need Jacksonville, or not Jacksonville, would need Miami to lose to Cincinnati. But with a Pittsburgh win, they could lose out and they would have a spot. So Pittsburgh with a win, you're pretty much in. Yeah, but we've we've known that for a few weeks now. The Steelers continue to fire on all cylinders, maybe a few extra ones they picked up along the way. But yeah, playoff time getting close. Can't believe it already. For uh, all of your playoff news and such, do listen in on this, but find us on Twitter. We will keep you posted. Yeah, we, Yes, we will. Now we'll go into our favorite segment, overreaction or underreaction. Zach Smith and I will take turn bouncing questions off each other and ask if is it an overreaction or an underreaction. And Zach, we will start off with you. Carson Wentz will be replaced as the starter for the Philadelphia Eagles by the end of the season. This is an underreaction. Carson Wentz has played abysmal this year. Now, there are some people who are holding on to him, holding on to hope. Um, you can make an argument that there are a lot of starting offensive linemen missing, which there are. 
You can make the offense, the argument that a lot of offensive weapons are gone and missing, which kind of are. Zach Ertz has been hurt for quite a bit this year. But when you look at it at the end of the day, the Philadelphia Eagles were supposed to be playoff contenders this year. The Philadelphia Eagles aren't winning their own division. The winner of their division right now is the New York Giants at four and seven. That's embarrassing. This division is wide open because Philadelphia and Dallas could not capitalize on it. Dallas more so than Philly is the biggest disappointment in this division in my eyes. But Carson Wentz has looked really bad. He leads the league in interceptions. He has been sacked the most in the NFL. He's already passed what he was done, what happened to him last year. He led the league in sacks last year, and we still have another six games. Jalen Hurts is starting to get more playing time. And I think by the end of the year, Jalen Hurts will be starting a game or two, whether that's Carson Wentz being hurt or being benched. So that moves me along to a question on the Browns, unless you have a comment. Oh, no, I I was just going to agree with you on that. All right. This is a Browns question for what I'm told as a Browns fan. So Nick Chubb, who just came back from injury and Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb was 719 yards and Kareem Hunt was 706 yards with six games left to play. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt will both rush for a thousand yards this season. This is an underreaction. This is an underreaction. If you've seen and Zach, I know you're not a big Browns fan, but the way Nick Chubb and Hunt can just go in and wear down a defense with their different, uh, with their different styles of running, it's just unbelievable. Each each, de- each game these two play together, it's not going to be oh, are they both going to have over a hundred yards rushing? It's who's going to be the first one to have a hundred yards rushing, and with five games left in the season for the Browns. You only need you, both of them need less than 300 yards. Yeah. And that's not something that has happened in 17 years. I want to say, which is going to be a really cool thing. I, I would agree with that. And my, my mistake, it's six games left for the Steelers and Ravens five games for everybody else. So I just want to clarify that. So yeah, I, I understand that completely. I do agree with it. The, the Browns are the best one, two punch rushing in football. There, there's literally no denying it. Um, you can even add the, in, the, the, you can add in the third punch there of Andy Janovich. Who's able to block extremely well. So the, the, the Cleveland Browns have one of the best, if not the best rushing offense in all of football, the passing offense, we're not going to talk about it, but that that's, that's a topic for the, for another time. But I do agree with, with five games left. If Nick Chubb and cream hunt, both who are at 700 yards, don't hit a thousand. I'd be shocked. And that's with Nick Chubb missing four games. Zach, underreaction or overreaction with a loss or forfeit to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Ravens playoff hopes are over. This is an overreaction. And this is why. The Steelers game in the grand scheme of things for the Baltimore Ravens does not matter. They get shut out of the AFC North with a loss. This we've been over. And with RG3 starting at quarterback and not Devlin Hodges starting for Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh should be able to have this one handily. There are enough players out and enough skill on the Steelers team that Baltimore shouldn't even have a chance. So in that regard, 
Baltimore's not done. Mathematically, they're still in. They have a shot. They would be six and five. The game that I would sit here and tell you with a loss, they're done is to the Cleveland Browns in two weeks, which believe me, Jacob and I are going to be talking plenty about that week. We might, there we're, are a we're lot watching of good that games. Game. We've got to watch that game together. There are a lot of games coming up here in about two weeks that are going to have a lot to do with playoff hopes. Ravens, Browns, uh, Chiefs have Miami, the Steelers and Bills. It's tough. The, the Ravens are not out of the playoffs with a loss to the Steelers. Now, if they lose to the Browns, absolutely. Absolutely, they will be done. Uh, but that game, until that game, I can't sit here and say the Ravens are done, so this is an overreaction. The Washington football team, who are tied for first in the NFC East at a 4-7 and seven record right now, will win the NFC and 7-9 record. Overreaction or underreaction? This is an underreaction. The Washington football team, I think, is the best team in the NFC East right now, especially if you look at their defensive stats. It's just it's it's insane. The part I'm sketchy about is is it going to be a seven and nine record? Is it going to be a six and ten record? It's not going to be a winning record. We know that much. They would have to win out for that to be the case. And that that's just not happening. No. But the Washington football team will win the NFC East. I agree. Zach, moving agree. on with that, the winner of the NFC East will win their playoff game. You know, I'm going to say this is an underreaction, and kind of for the reasons that you mentioned earlier. Jacob and I were talking about this for a little while, and uh, a lot of teams are going to look at the NFC East and be like, well, I mean, that might not be good. But twice in the history of the NFL, in the recent history of the NFL, has a team made it into the playoffs with a losing record. One of them being the Seahawks. The other, I want to say, was the Carolina Panthers. Both of those teams won that game in the playoffs. They won that first game. They, they're looked at as a pushover team. Oh, it's the NFC East. It's Washington. We'll be fine. We don't need to worry. No. You can't count any team off. Again, Mike Tomlin, this is a team full of professionals. I agree with this. I think that, I mean, it depends on who they play to, but you can't not look at a team with a losing losing record lightly or else you have a game like what the Browns just had where you almost lose. You cannot overlook it. Overreaction or underreaction? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just lost to the Kansas City Chiefs and are 7-5 and five going into their bye week this week, will miss out on the playoffs this year. This is an underreaction. There are teams that... there. We've seen it. We've seen it. Teams are beating Tom Brady. And it's partially because the offensive system he's in is not the one he should be in. He and Bruce Arians, there's a little bit of infighting going there. We'll see what happens in that in the next few weeks. But the Bucks are going to miss the playoffs via game. Well, here's the thing. They're already out of the NFC South picture, in my eyes. The Saints have the tiebreaker. The Buccaneers cannot beat the Saints. The, the Buccaneers are 100% not Super Bowl contenders. No matter what any broadcaster or analyst says, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are an overrated team. 
you had teams calling for a Super Bowl back when Tom Brady signed with them. And I agree that Tom Brady is better than Jameis Winston. Tom Brady is going to go down in history as as one of the, if not the greatest quarterback to ever play this game. But Jameis Winston threw threw 30 interceptions last year, not including fumbles or anything like that. Tom Brady has thrown a couple of interceptions, nowhere near the 30. But this is not necessarily on Tom Brady alone. What's going on with this team is that the chemistry is not there, and you can chalk that up to no training camp or anything like that. The defense is missing a couple of pieces, Vita Vea being the most notable one and uh, missing his season. And the, the, the Buccaneers are good, but I, I agree with your point completely that there are teams that are coming up the ladder that are going to be there. Three NFC or NFC West teams are going to be in the playoffs this year. Three of them. The Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals will make it. The Saints all but have their division. The Green Bay Packers will have their division. The NFC East will be represented, unfortunately. So that leaves room for two teams. Well, what two teams could you be thinking then? I think a team out of the NFC North is going to come out of it. Either the Vikings or the Bears. And the other thing you got to look at is the Panthers are not all that bad. They're hurt. The Falcons could push up. You never know. I think that that the Buccaneers are going to make the playoffs but you need to see i need to see a lot more out of this buccaneers team before i even say that they're going to win their playoff game yeah i agree with you on that i i I still don't think they're making the playoffs but i guess we'll find out and finally zach the patriots will make the afc playoffs underreaction or overreaction this is an overreaction. The New England Patriots will not make the postseason with Cam Newton at quarterback. Look, the, the, this Patriots team is tough. Bill Belichick, one of the best coaches to ever coach. He's 5-6 and six right now. Technically, he is not out of it. He was 10th in the AFC right now. He would need things to sincerely go his way, and this, the, his schedule is not a kind one. He has to go and play Buffalo still. Buffalo is still really good. He still has to go and play Miami, which Miami has somehow showed up this year. Yeah, you got the Jets. Yeah, you got the Chargers. But then you got the Rams. This this is a tough, tough little schedule they still have. The most difficult in football. Now, if the Patriots were to win out, then I'm wrong. I am dead wrong. But... Not only do the Patriots need to win out, but they need a lot of help. You need either the Raiders to tank dramatically, the Ravens to tank dramatically, Indianapolis to tank dramatically, Miami to tank dramatically. You need a lot of help if you're the Patriots. And at this point, it's too late. It is too late. You are five and six, and you're going to lose at least two of your next five games. You will not make the playoffs this year. And that's going to just about do it for us today. Zach, any final thoughts? Go Steelers. 11-0. It's coming. It's happening. And you know mine are always go Browns, go Bucks, go Jackets, go Cavs. Let's get something going for the state of Ohio this year. Let's go. Talons up, Zumba. Talons up. Bowling Green and Akron. Falcons just beat App State in basketball the other day. beat App State and... 
And we got Bowling Green Hockey tonight over in Erie, PA. Taking Robert on Morris. Robert Morris. Zach's on that on the uh, producing side tonight. So we'll That's see how that goes. That's not going to matter when we put this out. I but know I it's mean... not going to matter. But anyway, the Smith and Seidel show is produced by Zach Smith and Jacob Seidel. Edited by Jacob Seidel and released on behalf of Zach Smith and Jacob Seidel on Anchor.com. Our intro and outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. You can find him on Fiverr.com by searching Bobby Quinn Creative C. Uh, and we we both speak very highly of him. Zach, I know you never you didn't get a chance to work with him, but he did a great job on our theme song. Oh, great work. He did such a good job on our song, on our theme song there. Thank you very much. Yeah. Along with Dylan Hunter, who created the Smith and Seidel logo. Uh, make sure you find us on Twitter, discord, sportscaster, and wherever your favorite place to listen to podcasts are. But until, uh, later this week for Zach Smith, I am Jacob Seidel signing off, reminding you to stay safe. Stay healthy, and I, Ziggy Zumba.